This podcast is sponsored by L.L. Bean, who makes it easy and fun to simply step outside. That might mean breaking a speed record in a rugged, built-for-fun sonic snow tube, walking an extra block in a warm, weather-resistant down jacket, or just taking a breath on your doorstep before cozying up in a quilted sweatshirt. For however you experience the outdoors, shop clothing and gear at llbean.com. Be an outsider. What do a brownstone in the heart of New York City, a site near the Canadian border in Buffalo, a forested island in Washington, D.C., and the sprawling North Dakota Badlands have in common? They're all units of the National Park Service, named for Theodore Roosevelt. Theodore Roosevelt Birthplace National Historic Site preserves a replica of the home where Roosevelt spent his first years of his life. Theodore Roosevelt Inaugural National Historic Site pays tribute to his emergency inauguration as president immediately following the death of President McKinley in Buffalo, New York. Theodore Roosevelt Island serves as a memorial to this important president, who is not represented by one of the major monuments or memorials centered around the National Mall and Tidal Basin in Washington, D.C. And the crown jewel of the parks named for him, Theodore Roosevelt National Park in North Dakota, embodies the outdoorsman who played a pivotal role in conservation in the United States. But why so many parks for one man? I'm Jason Epperson, and this is the America's National Parks Podcast. Theodore Roosevelt was more than a powerful politician. His influence as a conservationist is legendary. How did this city boy grow into an outdoorsman and nature conservation champion? In school, we learned a few things about Theodore Roosevelt. He was president of the United States before we were born. He was a distant relative of Franklin Delano Roosevelt, who was more familiar to kids because his likeness appears on the dime. And the teddy bear was named after him although he never cared for the nickname Teddy. Indeed, he had a long and storied political career. From New York State Assembly to New York City Police Commissioner to Governor of New York, before being elected Vice President and ascending to the presidency upon William McKinley's death. But this devotion to public service doesn't paint the picture of the man who became known as the conservation president. He was a frail, homeschooled boy who grew into a rugged man with the drive and power to protect an enormous amount of American land. Here's Abigail. In 1880, when Theodore was 12 years old, his father helped found the Museum of Natural History. A young Theodore, at the same time, assembled a collection of dead animal specimens, creating his own version of such a museum, dubbed the Roosevelt Museum of Natural History, in his bedroom at his family's New York City house. Perhaps it was a sign of things to come. He was fortunate, born into a wealthy family with immense resources at his disposal. As a child, he traveled abroad with his family, bringing home animal specimens from Africa and the Middle East. 
But his romance with the Dakota Territory after college cemented his ties to nature and his concerns that the abuse of natural resources would have a profound effect on the future of the country and the world. We have fallen heirs to the most glorious heritage a people ever received, he wrote. And each one must do his part if we wish to show that the nation is worthy of its good fortune. At age 24, he traveled to the Dakota Territory on a hunting trip. Although he continued his permanent residence in New York, he returned to the Dakota Territory again and again to hunt and ultimately establishing a cattle ranch and then another. During the darkest period of his life, following the deaths of his mother and his wife on the same day, Theodore Roosevelt fled New York to grieve in the solitude and raw beauty of the Dakota Badlands. The farther one gets into the wilderness, he said, the greater is the attraction of its lonely freedom. Spending extensive time on his ranch and in the wilderness not only helped him heal, it further opened his eyes to the give and take of nature and the notion that resources are not infinite. We have become great, he wrote, because of the lavish use of our resources. But the time has come to inquire seriously what will happen when our forests are gone, when the coal, the iron, the oil, and the gas are exhausted. When the soils have still further impoverished and washed into the streams, polluting the rivers, destroying the fields, and obstructing navigation. He was adamant that we do not have the right to waste natural resources, which robs the generations to come. One of his most famous quotes emphasizes this need to conserve. We are prone to speak of the resources of this country as inexhaustible. This is not so. Many of us wish to conserve the natural wonders of our land and the resources it provides us. And we do each our small part, but few are in a position to make as big an impact as Theodore Roosevelt. He wrote extensively on nature and conservationism. He became a recognized voice with an important and urgent message. This message of conservationism became a major part of his presidential platform. Theodore Roosevelt was not the first president to establish a national park. Ulysses Grant established Yellowstone National Park in 1872, while Theodore Roosevelt was still a child. But Roosevelt established a huge number of national protected lands, including five national parks. Two were redesignated different types of preserved lands, and three remain as national parks. Crater Lake in Oregon, Wind Cave in South Dakota, and Mesa Verde in Colorado. Each was created to protect a different aspect of America. He established a staggering 150 national forests, 51 federal bird reserves, four national game preserves, five national parks, and 18 national monuments. He was the first to establish a federal bird reserve and a federal game reserve, and created a national conservation commission to inventory the country's natural resources. His understanding of the complexities and interdependencies of nature made him a worthy and effective ambassador for conservancy. In the end, he underestimated the impact he would have on our natural world, not just in his time, but also today and into the future. Paradoxically, he said, while my interest in natural history has added very little to my sum of achievement, 
it has added immeasurably to my sum of enjoyment in life. It is, in fact, one of his biggest, most far-reaching legacies. Theodore Roosevelt National Park is a hidden gem of the National Park Service. Comprised of the North Unit, Elkhorn Ranch, and the South Unit, the park covers 70,000 acres, brimming with wildlife and spectacular scenery. The South Unit is the most popular, but there's a desolate uniqueness to the North Unit that merits a visit, a good long leisurely meandering. The hills of the Badlands, dryaded with color, provide an otherworldly backdrop for adventure. Bison roam freely, often providing the sole cause of traffic jams in this isolated park. Prairie dog towns dot the roadside. Flocks of wild turkeys and a herd of feral horses also inhabit the park. The more elusive bighorn sheep and pronghorn antelope can sometimes be spotted at dawn and dusk, wonderful times of day that boast a golden glow of the rock formations. For a spectacular road trip, start at Knife River Indian Village's National Historic Site and then journey on to Fort Union Trading Post National Historic Site before reaching Theodore Roosevelt National Park. When visiting Washington, D.C., if you have a car available, take a scenic drive out to Theodore Roosevelt Island. You can walk trails through forest and swamp, canoe or kayak around the island, or participate in a ranger safari. Birds and wildflowers abound. Washington, D.C. contains a plethora of National Park Service sites, including, among others, the popular monuments and memorials scattered around the National Mall, Ford's Theater, and Kenilworth Aquatic Gardens. To be fair, this is not the complete list of National Park sites honoring Theodore Roosevelt. Sagamore Hill National Historic Site preserves Roosevelt's home during his presidency, bearing the nickname the Summer White House. And, of course, his image is famously carved into the cliffside at Mount Rushmore National Monument. This episode of America's National Parks was hosted by me, Jason Epperson, narrated by Abigail Trapu, and written by Lauren Eisenberg Davis. Don't forget to subscribe and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Just search National Park Podcast. You can also join our America's National Parks Facebook group, nearly 100,000 members strong. If you're interested in RV travel, check out RVMiles.com or the RV Miles Podcast. You can also follow Abigail and me as we travel the country, all of our social media as our wandering family. Today's show was sponsored by L.L. Bean. Follow the hashtag BeAnOutsider and visit LLBean.com to find great gear for exploring the national parks. And by Campendium. Find listings and reviews for thousands of campsites for your next national park adventure at Campendium.com. Campendium.